0: Welcome to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's newspapers with me, Mark Dolan, and tonight in the company of the unassailable Diane Spencer and the unsellable Steve (laughs) N. Allen. Uh, Great to see you both, and I notice we're rocking the hashtag Double Tweed.
1: Yeah. Mm. I mean, I actually picked this up in a charity shop. I love it. I
0: did wonder. (laughs) I I looked at that and thought a dead person used to wear that.
1: And I am hoping I do it justice to the, well. uh, the ghost who used to wear it before me.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you, you're both going to get quite hot in the next hour, not just the stories, but the knitted wool that you're both enshrouded in. That's why I'm in shorts on the lower half, flip-flops. Very short shorts, I noticed. That's entertainment <laughs> for me, let me tell you. Well, look, lots of stories to get through. And uh, let's uh, take a look at tomorrow's front pages before we do that. And let's start with the Daily Mail. Radiant, happy and simply glorious, a wonderful photograph of the Queen who is out and about. She wasn't able to deliver the state opening of Parliament, but she was in high spirits as she attended the first of her National Platinum Jubilee celebrations. OK, next up. should we go to the Telegraph next? The PM attacks Brussels over the cost-of-living crisis. Johnson set to scrap parts of the Northern Ireland Protocol that hamper state aid. NHS bureaucracy soars in the wake of the pandemic, according to The Telegraph, and Sweden's bid to join NATO shows aggression doesn't pay. The Guardian next. Police chiefs accuse Home Secretary of power grab. Leaders say draft plan would prevent them from speaking out. Police leaders have accused Pretty Patel of a power grab that would allow her to intervene in local law enforcement matters and silence chiefs, who want to speak out on issues deemed politically sensitive. Chelsea clinched double in another extra-time final. Chelsea's women yesterday went one better than the men's team, winning the FA Cup final in extra time, beating Man City 3-2. And the Prime Minister to back a bill to scrap Irish Sea trade checks. It seems like the Northern Ireland Protocol is on borrowed time. The Financial Times next. Sweden and Finland to herald new era with NATO applications. And also, back to the office message fails to sink in as employees stick to home working. The Times next. You are not the Thought Police, top officers told. New watchdog calls for a focus on cutting crime. We'll discuss that story with my brilliant panellists tonight. And third of Russian invaders destroyed. More problems in Putin's military assault of Ukraine. The Daily Express next. Russia loses a third of troops. That story there in the Express as well. Strictly unfair. Countdown stars fix blast at the BBC. It's one of the uh, former stars of Strictly Come Dancing. One of the presenters of Countdown. Rachel Thingummy Bob. Um, she is. Uh, she says that. Uh, <laughs> forgive me. That sounds really rude. I've just forgotten her name. But she is Riley. called Rachel. Rachel Riley, my producer. <laughs> Martin knows all about her. He seems obsessed, I'll be honest. Rachel Riley says that Strictly is a fix. Also, Boris warns the EU, we will act if you don't change. Boris Johnson vows he will rip up the Brexit deal within days unless the EU chiefs agree to sensible changes in the row over customs check. And stars come out to say thank you, ma'am, to the Queen. Last but not least, the Daily Star. Pep's spot of bother. Uh, This is a 2-2 draw between... West Ham and Man City, which puts pressure on Man City, who are hoping to clinch the title. Meanwhile, thunder and lightning, very, very frightening. Flashbang wallop. Storm warning, but 28-degree Spanish plume is on the way. Floody hell. The sizzle has fizzled, and it's basically going to be, I think, rainy but very sunny. Sounds like a classic British summer. And those are your front pages. A translation of that newspaper review will be available later in the programme. We begin with Monday's Mail and everyone wants to be in NATO, Steve. I might join.
2: Well, you should, by the looks of it. There's a bit of a queue. Sweden now joining the queue, this after Finland have officially announced it. I mean, the joyful irony here is that if we remember the news stories, we've sat here saying, oh, Putin's talking about the threat of NATO expansion. Probably never going to happen unless someone decided to invade a country in Europe and then everyone panics and, wait a minute, oh, it's the one thing he didn't want to happen and he's caused it to happen. Um, So many Swedish politicians said that their support was conditional on Finland joining. There's also talk of them removing any transition phase. This could be quick. Within weeks, you could see these countries join into that that cover of uh, an attack on one is an attack on all, which also means if we were attacked... Sweden would then be able to send us some weapons, we'd have to put them together ourselves. Um, Obviously, but... but they'd be quite cheap, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what you, get it. A, you get a tank for about £11.50. But have a strange <laughs> name. But the thing that I... I think there is a plot twist coming down the path here. I'd never like to presume I'm cleverer than anyone, but I'm looking at Putin thinking surely he's made some mistakes. This seems silly. And then if at the end of it we find out that Putin was working for NATO all along, like Mr Slugworth and Willy Wonka, uh, I'm putting my money on that now.
0: Yeah, or the dodgy caretaker in Scooby-Doo. Yeah. If it wasn't for those pesky Russians.
1: If it wasn't for those Ukrainians, (laughs) I'd have got away with it. Um, Yeah, it's uh, terribly exciting. I I do love the fact that um, most of the Swedish people are like, yeah, we'll do it if Finland do it. Because they blatantly just want to sort of stand behind Finland in case Putin gets bomby.
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. bomby, exactly. You, you go first, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be, I'll be right behind you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys signed the thing first. I mean, they're going to speed them through. I assume they've got some kind of uh, members... I think it's called a Members Action Plan, you know, where they um, sort of start to take their steps towards full NATO membership? Well, I think, yeah, I
0: think all Sweden are going to have to do is a scan of their passport and their like, direct debit or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One utility bill. Yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the council tax will be fine. <laughs> yeah, log book, we'll take that.
1: <laughs> They've got to submit 10 tokens <laughs> uh, and a coupon. Uh, somebody's going to have to update their Wikipedia page, so that's going to be exciting. <laughs> when that happens, we know it's official. Um, <laughs> Oh, there was something else. Um, He... Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. It's Something about the Putin has... Oh, yeah. So the guy said to him, he said, Putin, you were worried about this, but you caused this. And he said, look in the mirror. This is is what the the Finnish people said to Putin. And I thought, Putin can't do that. He's got no mirrors in his house because he has no reflection.
0: Can't argue with that one. He, yeah. he definitely cuts a Dracula-like figure. I tend to agree with you there. You don't hear him coming into a room either, do
1: you? No. And, and, and he, the only thing he's got is an oil painting of himself in an attic somewhere. Yeah. And it's just... Slowly
2: getting less evil. Yeah! <laughs> 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 That's right. The
0: only way to sort of trick him out of the darkness is to suddenly, like, have a big desk. <laughs> he sees a big desk. It's like, he can't resist. He loves a big desk.
1: Oh, yeah, he's addicted to the things. He loves it.
0: Big desk, big ego.
1: Well, I mean, it's exciting uh, for NATO because it means we're going to get the Finnish and Swedish army to join us, which is great. So that's going to be at least, what, six fellas? I think there's going to be at least six fellas from Sweden. They'll
0: be about about, uh, six foot four, won't they? Blue eyes, rich, (gasps) thick, golden hair.
1: And Valkyries. Oh, do you think they'll come with chariots? Those are the women that wear saucepans.
0: Now you're talking. I mean, <laughs> where do I sign? <laughs> Moving swiftly on, Monday's Mirror, and we move to a tragic set of events in Buffalo, Diane. This is just awful.
1: Yes, so there has been a shooting, and uh, the white supremacist who shot dead ten people uh, also called for Sadiq Khan's death. Um, so, um, like all uh, edic- uh, egotistical idiots. This person wrote a 180-page manifesto before he went on his racist um, rampage. I mean, the Conservative Manifesto is barely 60 pages long, so why on earth he needed to do 180 pages? I think Clyde Plumry's
0: is longer than that, to be honest with you. <laughs> <Is> mm-hmm. <it? laughs> Which basically says, let's let's leave the United Kingdom. But yeah, it's, uh, it's a shocker. And it, it's, uh, you know, a- another headache for America in relation to gun crime, isn't it?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, what was quite alarming was that when he was uh, shot, so initially there was uh, like an officer who shot back at him, but he had been able to buy incredibly resistant Armor, and so uh, the gunfire from the guard didn't get through, and then he was able to kill the guard. So it's not only kind of um, it, it's interesting because it's not just a question on you know what guns you can buy, but also what protection you can buy from the guns. Yeah, um, is all available. Um, I mean, in in this list, in this manifesto, he called for several people to be killed. Um, he grouped three of them t- together that you would never expect to be grouped together. He put together Sadiq Khan. Billionaire George Soros and Turkish leader Erdogan. Erdogan. So he put them together as three targets, which is a a very bizarre little trio. I'm not seeing the connection. It's (laughs) almost
2: like he doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. Mm. (laughs) The guy's (laughs) incoherent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got to say, he lost me with white supremacist. You know. Yeah, I was. Up till that point, (laughs) up till that point, I I was open-minded. You know. And it's like, nah, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. The issue for Americans, I mean, obviously it's very worth investigating the, the awful hatred around this attack, the, the horrible, nasty racism. Um, but have the Americans now basically just accepted that Every so often, there will be a mass shooting. I mean, is, yeah. I- is that just what life in America now is?
2: Well, we'll see how the news plays out after this, but so many cases recently, there are a bit, there's been a shooting, and, and it's not as if the story hangs around in the papers. And I see a lot of TV from America, they don't cover it hugely. They are so used to it. And uh, it's bizarre, I try and give... A pers- I try and understand what it 's like to you know have some empathy if you grow up in a nation where your identity is so linked to the concept of owning guns, then maybe i don 't understand. but you look at stories like this and just think that same mess of a situation without guns is less bad, still bad mm. what it isn 't is a shooting it 's something else mm. that 's not as bad as a shooting and you 're so right about the armor about the armor protection like some people argue that you shouldn't need guns for uh, hunting or whatever. Unless the deer are tooled up too, why yeah. do you need to be bulletproof unless you're going to do something wrong? Yeah. But maybe I'm right. I'm, tr- I'm trying to have that empathy. I, I asked that question knowing there might be an answer, but sweet mercy, I can't see it.
0: No, definitely not. Very, very sad story. Well, let's move on now to Monday's Telegraph. And some ministers aren't happy with the
2: Bank of England, Steve. Yeah, quasi uh, Quateng's one of them. But there's some other people quoted in here as well. They've uh, been speaking about the Bank of England saying, in fact, I'll go straight to a quote. One minister said, it had one job to do, keep the inflation around 2%. It's hard to remember a time it last achieved that target. So now they're thinking, should it be independent? Should the people at the top still be at the top? Um, Thought experiment time. Imagine if it wasn't independent and we still had our government doing this. I wonder if they'd be saying, oh, it was external forces. And I guarantee that if they were the ones being held responsible, they'd be talking a lot about the inflationary pressure of a war in Europe. And yet... This version of the story, oh, they had one job to do and they didn't keep it down at 2%. Um, So, look, there are many factors in it. It is a global issue, but also the level of quantitative easing was always going to be a problem. Even there, though, quantitative easing solves a problem and causes a problem. So it's very easy to wait until that solution's been sorted and ignored and then stand around looking at the side effects saying, told you. Well, inflation is, is a
0: horror show. We know that we've got the most awful cost of living crisis, which so many of our viewers are struggling with. But um, we, we had pandemic measures that meant people had to stay home. We had furlough. We did print money. But millions of jobs were saved. So I guess that's what you're hinting at, is that, yes, we've got the headache of inflation, but probably um, as a result of much-needed measures to prop up the economy in the first place.
2: Yeah, and it's difficult to know what would have happened. You know, it's a balance Because I, I think recession. unemployment is probably worse than inflation, isn't it? I mean, you'd imagine so. I remember the, the 80s when everyone was worried about the levels of, of inflation. I barely remember it. was. I didn't have a job at the time, what with me being seven but um, although I was, in the, I was in the north, so there was a chance Lazy. I could have been down the mines. Um, I mean, you, were, you were smoking cigarettes at that point, weren't you? Drinking binds, a pint yeah. of mild. <laughs> oh, I love a pint of mild. It takes uh, me back to the school day.
0: Yeah, did you but, have chewing tobacco in a spittoon, I would have thought? No, I
2: mean, that's... Flat like, cap? That's ridiculous. Flat cap, definitely, but the rest of it, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is... You're, you're right. Who knows what the bigger problem is? They took a choice, and I'm just saying that it is very easy in terms of the narrative to wait until the solution part's been sewn I in agree. and then go, well, I told you there was a
0: problem. Well, I agree, because, I mean... You know, you might have picked up Diane. That you know, I, I don't think lockdowns were the way to go in relation to COVID. I mean, it's controversial. I know. Never mentioned that before. But I do. It's, it's a new thing. We'll talk about masks later. But um, <laughs> the, 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 it's very clear that if you are going to ask people to stay at home and not go to work, you've mm-hmm. got to support them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and actually, in that sense, furlough was a successful policy.
1: It it was in that sense, but at the time when suddenly you you, you're sat there and you get this big lump of cash from the government. Never mind the um, how many billions of fraud are we up to? I think thirty
0: billion in fraud at least. Money we we, we won't we won't get back again.
1: Yeah. So uh, obviously at the time we saw we all sort of said, well. It it is good that we get this money because we do need to live, we need to survive, and I don't know about you, but everybody on my street, we suddenly took a a very big interest in gardening and we were all sort of checking on each other because we were all trying to grow our own vegetables. Nobody knew what was going to go on. We had this mass panic. Um, So having money from the government was good, but at the same time we did all ask each other, well, at some point... We're going to have to pay for this.
0: Well, I'm glad you asked each other, and it shows your foresight. I think many didn't, and this is a concern now. We've got a cost of living crisis. Well, you know, it is the price we paid for for the measures. Let's hope it was the right thing to do. We are where we are, and, and I also agree... Steve, with, uh, Steve's point there about the, the Bank of England that, I mean, the last thing you'd want is the government deciding interest rates because, you know, that's what happened before Gordon Brown made the Bank of England independent. And they're just going to politicise it. And what they always used to do is bring down interest rates just before an election, <laughs> <laughs> irrespective of inflation. Yeah. So it's important that it's in the hands, I think, of the Bank of England. The only issue is I think they've actually got it wrong. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think they have got it wrong, and um, they did have um, the—they had warnings from the bank's chief economist at the time, Andy Haldane.
0: Big Andy Haldane. Yeah, and who left the band a bit like Robbie Williams in the prime of Take That.
1: Yeah, he left, and 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 what? Rockstar this, economist. Is, well, he's now the—he's now the chief executive of the Royal Society for Arts, yeah. which is great, but it sounds like he could be better spent somewhere else? I mean, I'm not saying that we don't need help with theatres. Well, because I happens. know
0: hindsight's a wonderful thing, but he did warn of this yeah, issue. Yeah,
1: he knew what was coming. Because the
0: idea is, isn't it, that the, the, the one mechanism you have to bring inflation down is to raise interest rates, mm-hmm. because it makes it harder for people to, to borrow money and then people uh, spend less money, and it, it just has it contracts the economy. But... Um, you know, you've got to, it's a long, it's a marathon, isn't it? Interest rates. You can't just suddenly pull that lever. His argument was a quarter percent here, a quarter percent there, many months ago, and we'd feel the benefit now.
1: We will never know, but I agree with Steve's point that had the a government... feel like Nick
2: Clegg right now.
1: <laughs> two people agreeing with me. Well, had the government been in charge of it, yeah, right now we would be getting this hot This would be completely reversed. I mean,
0: here's the thing, Steve. It is a concern that it's been argued in some quarters that the Bank of England misjudged the threat of inflation. Therefore, there needs to be a question. I don't think about the independence of the Bank of England, but possibly it's makeup Ooh.
2: possibly yeah i mean what so you're saying someone should drive out to wherever andy's doing some arts and say we need you for one last mission and he'll say <laughs> i don't do that no more not after last time we need you on this one and then this yeah. and
0: what i do is you know get him back in the precincts, i'd hand him his gun i'd give him his badge and, and say go, listen
1: i didn't yeah. use these before yeah, 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 what yeah. am i going to do <laughs> this time
0: i'm, I'm an economist <laughs> i don't need weapons
1: Have you got a calculator
0: <laughs> that would do it a pencil fax machine if you don't mind
1: Oh, my God, if he's using fax machines, that explains why they're in such trouble.
0: Yeah, uh, good. Well, look, uh, it is a concern, of course, inflation, and uh, we will watch that one, and uh, let's hope it sort of tails off towards the end of the year. Monday's Express next, and some people aren't happy with a statue of Margaret Thatcher, Diane.
1: Yeah. Now, who
0: was Margaret Thatcher?
1: So, Margaret Thatcher was my (laughs) great-great-auntie. So, uh, yes, so... It's interesting that in an age, uh, a furious protester has hurled eggs at the new Margaret Thatcher statue. By the way, the
0: protesters are always furious, aren't they? Oh,
1: they must be. They're Otherwise... never chilled
0: out or laughing. They're always angry.
1: Casual protester. Yeah. What would you call it? A lob? lob-, a lob, lob- yeah, the underarm zone. egg. Yeah, underarm <laughs> eggs. Stash- statue on a nice spring day. There we go. It's not quite... And possible.
0: when they're furious, do they make furious sounds? Are they sort of roaring? Is it primal? Yeah.
1: They're like the dude with the buffalo helmet that went into the... the, um... Good good
0: friend of mine, Big Steve. Yeah, 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 the guy
1: who went in. Um, So it's very interesting in an an era where we're taking down statues of controversial people that they've decided to put one up. Um, And they've put up this statue of Margaret Thatcher in her hometown of Grantham. Uh, because, obviously, she was a massive political figure and she completely changed uh, the United Kingdom. And she was elected so many times and, and she did so much. Three um, three
0: landslides. Uh, she won a war. Yeah. Presided over quite significant economic growth, but then others would argue that that she... Divided society and, yes. and made the lot of the poor worse than it previously had been.
1: Yes. So, very uh, divisive figure. As um, When she died and they, they took her coffin through the streets and some people were there as uh, to mourn her loss and some people would turn and face their backs to her. So, they've erected this statue and the council seemed to vote in favour of it and it cost £300,000, which is a lot of money for, for, for a statue. Mm. Um... But it seems that there is a popular sort of group amongst the locals, there are about 13,000 of them, that all sort of were talking about throwing eggs. Uh, So maybe it could become a thing? I mean, I suppose,
0: Steve, I'm, I'm Mr. Free Speech, I hope. I think you're Mrs. Free Speech, you're Mr. Free Speech as well that um, I suppose if you want to throw an egg, you can. Well, you're not going to
1: damage a statue with an yeah,
0: egg. Yeah, I think each to their own, actually. I'm a big libertarian like that. I think the damaging property is one thing, but if they want to throw an egg at a statue, fine.
2: Yeah, I suppose it's not damaged it. I'm presuming uh, that much money you should be able to afford a statue that's not sensitive to egg attack.
1: Egg uh, resistant. And egg they're resistant. making
0: their point, which is probably just a temporary point, and, and it's commentary rather than, I guess, tearing it down or defacing
2: yeah. it. I mean, daughter of a, a shopkeeper, a grocer, so maybe the grocer. egg in some way is oh, some sort of homage. Me. Also, I believe um, when she was a chemist in the, the life before politics, uh, was involved in the development of Mr Whippy ice cream. So, I I don't think you put egg in that, but... (laughs) You've done
0: your homework, haven't you? You know, we will, I guess, be talking about Margaret Thatcher's legacy till kingdom come. Mm. But I think it's hard to escape the fact that Britain was in such a bad state when she came to power in 1979. We had famously the winter of discontent in 78. Bodies were not being buried. The whole country was on strike. We had power cuts. And the Chancellor of the Exchequer had to go to the IMF to borrow money. So... You know, we were the sick man of Europe, the poor man of Europe, and notwithstanding issues around what happened to society, by 1987, Britain was a military, diplomatic, political and economic powerhouse.
2: But given that baseline, it would have been difficult to end up in a worse situation. If ever you're going to become Prime Minister, and I, I... I pray that neither of you will. But um, uh, Well, I've got but, plans. I know, that's what we're all I've worried spoken about. spoken
0: to the boss, he's going to let me do it for five years, <laughs> transform the country. But uh, get it Free, free beer for everyone on Tuesday, by the way. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> correct. And uh, Friday is going to be called Sex Friday. Oh, from the last... Is lack. it? Yeah. <laughs> everyone everyone gets a bit on a Friday.
1: It, so. From where?
0: You're not gonna work, I, true, I, I, I'm going to talk to the <laughs> civil service about that. <laughs> I hope that the blob don't stop it happening. Well, there's a phrase. <laughs> but, uh, but there you go. So, so we'll look at it's in, the legacy of Margaret Thatcher, but I, I'm guessing, that the, I, I think, you both have a slightly red hue and therefore would probably not be wildly supportive of Thatcher's legacy.
2: Well, I'm from Mansfield, you know, coal mines. My next-door neighbour worked down at coal mines. Other than my dad, everyone before them, they from a long line of coal miners, dad worked in a factory. So it was kind of bred into me, this idea of it was damaging to the local area what happened Mm. to the local society. I mean, do you think she deserves a statue, Diane?
1: Um, I actually do, even though I don't agree with everything she did, yeah, I do think she deserves a statue because of who she was. She was... She's a very, very significant... She's the first female Prime Minister of Great Britain, for goodness sake. That alone. Come on.
0: Do you want to be Prime Minister?
1: Not really.
0: Like, it, do you want to do power sharing or something?
1: I could. I. I wouldn't mind. I, no, I would genuinely be a minister of something. Yeah. I think I could do that. I think prime Minister's a bit.
0: Well, much. I'll. I'll get you to uh, you'll be my uh, minister of beer for like beer Friday or is it sex? Thank God, sex God I'm Wednesday? not in charge
1: of sex Friday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: might bring Boris back for that one. <laughs> uh, lots more to get through. You might have noticed some of this isn't scripted. Um, we've got lots and lots of big stories. In fact, we're going to up the pace now because you wouldn't believe what we've got that lies ahead. Welcome back to Headliners. A first look at tomorrow's papers with me, Mark Dolan, and the supremely brilliant comedians Diane uh, Spencer and Steve N. Allen. And guys, I feel like you're overqualified for the job now because we've got the presenter of Ministry of Defense and... The team captain as well, <laughs> loving the show. It gets funnier every week.
1: Oh, we, I, I love doing it. We love doing it, don't yeah. we? Yeah, brilliant, yeah, brilliant
0: topical fun. comedy fun. Uh, back on Saturday at 8pm. Don't miss it. Monday sun, and we're about to get the first professional footballer. Who is gay, Diane?
1: Yes, so a brave teen footballer um, at a championship club is going to come out as gay Next week. Now, what I love about this is normally uh, you have a coming out party. This is a PR'd coming out presentation, which is going to be done sort of on an interview, it's saying, like a programme, and I... Will
0: well, he demonstrates. That I, he's gay. Will I, there be?
1: I guess it depends on what program it is. I mean, I, I assume that like it's going to be a bit weird because if it's like one of those morning programs, it'll be like, oh, and now we're going to discuss what's better, a muffin or a crumpet, and a young man's going to tell us who he fancies after the break. Like it's it's a bit weird that they're going to announce this, but in my opinion, one, this is great yeah. because um, it. It just breaks the stigma. So anybody who still sort of has these homophobic thoughts of, oh, I can't play football with a gay guy because, you know, he's going to jump on me and the rest of it, that's a load of rubbish. And what's really nice is that already... um, His teammates have said, no, we're in full support of him. We're not interested in who he's dating. We're interested in how he plays and how he trains, which is exactly as it should be. So that's wonderful. But also, there is definitely a golden opportunity for sponsorship here, to be the first openly gay footballer. Um, Yeah, so get your sponsorship deals ready. Work out who it is. Start checking some some stuff out on Twitter. The pink pound is worth a lot of money, my friend.
0: Well, that's right. Football has tried to do something about the evil of racism in the game with Kick It Out, they've taken the knee at the start of every Premier League game and in the World Cup, Steve, and yet no progress, seemingly, on the characterisation of gay people in the
2: game. Yeah, because statistically, this can't be the actual first time. If you just think about, like, a normal distribution of people, there's approximately 10%, is it? So, 10% of your footballers are being silent about it because of the pressure they feel because of that... I can't think of any other industry where that's the case. Um, oh, you know, do you know what? I was when we, I was th- back there thinking, and I came up with one. But no, you're right. I, other than football, where's the other one where there's oil? Cricket? Ricks? No, no, come on, cricket. Oh. You're kidding. Rugby. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't other sports. I was just thinking there are only certain areas that are that toxic. To Musical theatre, there's not many gay men yeah. in that. Yeah, quite there. a lot of repression in there. Accounting. But I do think, like, you're right, this is how it should be. It's also how it should have been for decades. I yeah. mean, like, we can't do too much feeling happy about this because it should have been sorted of years ago. Yeah. Um, although I do think it is incredibly interesting that an interview is going to reveal an identity. <laughs> because all I can think, what mechanism... I guess the only way I can imagine it is like how they used to do through the keyhole that you'll just see them in silhouette first <laughs> and then they'll reveal who da, it is
1: da, da.
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, big ron atkinson former manchester united manager players would come to his office and they say gaffer why won't you put me in the first team and he'd say well you know because they'd say look I can do this I can do that and he'd say don't um, don't tell me show me so it'd be an interesting conversation if they go to the gaffer I'm gay say, don't tell me show me <laughs> be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it?
1: You're so keen for a demo. I need it.
0: (laughs) I need evidence. Moving on to Monday's Telegraph and science is now arming robots with scalpels. What
2: could possibly go wrong, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> the uprising. All right. right. Now, this makes so much sense. Robotic surgery is bound to be better than human surgery. They've done some studies and it looks like patients in the study, it was bladder um, surgery they had, uh, they recovered two days faster if you had the robot do it rather than someone getting stuck in there with their hands, which makes a lot of sense machines are precise. Like, I can sit around watching YouTube videos of those big machines making biscuits all day. They So many so quickly. How do they do it? So it's because the cuts are smaller, the precision's there. You don't have to get the hand stuck in. Um, And what they did, it uh, reduced readmission as well. In the study, scientists at uh, University College London and University of Sheffield, it was 338 bladder uh, cancer patients. Had the bladder taken out and it was replaced by some bowel. So I guess they had surgeons, maybe people who are good at balloon animals doing it. And they managed to all be beaten by how good the... uh, the robots were. Because it makes sense. In the future, every surgery will be done by robots, other than maybe in like some artisanal surgery in Hackney. Yes. Really, going about It's hand corned. Cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's it. And you just have some bourbon as, as an
0: anaesthetic. <laughs> yeah. Right, we've kombucha. got
1: your leeches here, sir. <laughs> Thanks. It's
0: just more authentic. I think, uh, Diane, it takes to find out of surgery. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, I can see that because they're saying that the open surgery is the gold standard, and they're saying that shifts that now because you know, getting on your rubber gloves, you got your cup of tea there. You go right, put on Magic FM. I want a bit of chill out <laughs> that's ex- music. That's exactly
0: for this. right. Yeah, it's it's like I've always thought if I was a surgeon, it's that it's the all creatures and great. Was it all creatures great and small? You know, it's it's you've got your, your hands up there and you're rubbing yeah. around. The, feels you like it feels like a kidney to me.
1: What's that? You got right. that sort of ear. Nigel, stick your hand in there bit... and go, what do you reckon that is? Yeah, they have... Yeah, you missed that. You pull it out you yeah. miss it.
0: Whoops, that's his liver. Oh, well. You win some, you lose some.
1: Uh, do you end up with, like, lots of surgeons, kind of... You know, like, the, um, the people who are learning to fly drones in the military? <laughs> do you have, like, a lot of surgeons? Because this is going to be expensive, because not everybody's going to have the robotic arms, not everybody's going to have the robotic kind of thing. Do you have lots of surgeons using, like, game controllers... Oh, yeah. ..learning how to control all the robots?
2: Maybe that's how we'll recruit surgeons. Like, if you're good at gaming, they'll go, like, you, you don't, you're not medically trained, but the way you controlled that, uh, that little <laughs> game pad.
0: Do you think these robot surgeons would explain Simon Cowell?
1: <laughs> they built him? Is I that think what so. you mean? He's a think? very
0: talented man, but he has Android qualities, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> well, it wouldn't explain why you can't years. see the scars.
0: <laughs> Too right. <laughs> Uh, Before we get sued, let's move on. (laughs) Monday's Guardian and this Pegasus spyware software, Steve, what is it and what ramifications is it having?
2: It's malware. They can get on your phone. It can know everything about your phone. It gets all the data from it. It can use the camera, use the microphone. They can even tell what you've been up to in incognito mode. Not cricket. Low blow, guys. Come on. Um, but <laughs> the use of it in Spain has caused some trouble over there because last month some research- researchers found that 65 individuals connected with Catalan independence yeah. had been effectively hacked. Then it turns out, yeah. four fortnight later, the Spanish government announced that the Prime Minister, the Defence Minister, they'd been hacked as well. And it feels like what they then did was a bit of scapegoating. They got rid of the spy chief. <laughs> and it feels like was it spy sheets fault? Just because the ministers can't stop looking at dodgy websites, or whatever, like oh, hot tractors near you. Or well, maybe that's us who do that. But um, <laughs> so now it's according to the makers, this Israeli NSO group, the spyware sold only to governments to help them track criminals and terrorists. What's that? Someone who bought some software didn't necessarily st- uh, tell the truth about it. Because the solution is stop using smartphones. Good luck with that. Good luck People with that get their withdrawals. Oh,
0: I'm completely spooked out about it. Well, look, I'm going to throw my phone. Uh, in the river on my way home. Monday's time's next and I would imagine Orwell's family wishes are something you can copyright, especially certain phrases,
2: Steve. Um, This about the fact that uh, the police are not the thought police. Yeah. There's a new inspector of constabulary, Andy Cook, says that forces need to concentrate on real crime. I don't think we'll find that many people that disagree with it. Mm. I think the newspapers tell us as if somehow the people you don't like are out there saying that we shouldn't be investigating real crimes. No one likes being robbed. I mean, other than robbers... Everyone's in favour of robbing not happening, I imagine. Um, But there's... I mean, it's it's true. Maybe the police should be deployed to do more of the traditional crimes until they are solving all of the traditional crimes. Then, get you you know, fill your boots. Uh, So Andy Cook said that chief constables need to avoid politics with a small P. And, you know, I'm like, I also want to say you should avoid it with a big P in case you start a sentence with it. Um, But he said they're not the thought police. They must focus on driving down crime. Do you remember, it was years ago now, but there was a, I think it was Nottinghamshire, threatened to only investigate home burglaries if it was an even number rather than an odd number. It was just to get in the news to point out how understaffed they were. But it was great for me, because it meant I could go around and nick everything from next door. And he couldn't do (laughs) anything about it. He tries to nick it back, I'll call the cops.
0: And on that rather explosive note, (laughs) the dark criminal underworld that is Steve N. Allen... uh Welcome back to the final part of Headliners. A first look at tomorrow's papers with me, Mark Dolan, in the company of the dangerously talented comedians Diane Spencer and Steve N. Allen. Rachel Riley has made the news, Steve. Strictly is fixed, apparently... Next, she'll be telling me the wrestling isn't real.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, when I saw this story, I was just scanning through to see what we were talking about, and my brain thought she was saying Countdown was fixed, and I had an, <gasps> a, a, an issue. I was like, no, don't say it's so. How could that be? Thankfully, she's saying that Strictly's fixed, and I was like... Oh well, I don't care. No, because what's that? An <laughs> entertainment show where you have to be a celeb to go on it and it's just pointless entertainment. Yeah, you're yeah, go fix it. Yeah. I don't care if you fix it. I mean, it's not as if some someone's gonna be swindled out of the prize money. Come on, you're all celebs. Um, I think more importantly, in the in the interview, she said that um, that she thinks they should focus on having like they like the story of the underdog rather than people who are too trained. And I totally agree. Yeah. Sometimes you watch it and it's someone who's been in a, a girl group all their life. Mm. They've spent twenty five years being trained in choreography, and they're great. At dancing, so if if this makes sense, then the next step is the dancers on it who get famous should go back on it as the celebs. Then, like the one who snogged Sean Walsh, everyone knows you know you've reached that level, and then it's just going to be dancers dancing with dancing. We'll call it dancing, and then off you go. Good luck to you. Yeah, I mean it's a reminder that. Most telly's not real, is
0: it? If you've ever been involved in any of those entertainment shows, so much of it's scripted. Yeah. You've got, I mean, shows like The Apprentice, you know, when the, the guests say these outrageous things, like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I've reinvented the wheel, you know, and, and, and all these arrogant remarks they make. It's all been fed to them by producers. I wonder if Strictly is the same.
1: Oh, I would say it probably is. I mean, what's interesting is she has been blown out of context in that she did say. She's
0: been blown out of context.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think I know. Sounds like gossip. (laughs) She said... I think they know from the start who they want to win. And some people have like just omitted the she oh, thinks yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that's a little unfair. But yeah, it's the whole point of producing a show. They have a look at their contestants and they go, right, who are we gonna paint as the baddie? Mm. Who are we gonna paint as the, um, the, the one who's like gossiping about all the others? And they need to actually build a story arc because you want to have a story within just this competition. It's not interesting enough to have a competition. You need to sort of hook people in on the personalities. And that's why it all comes down to the edit. And it's what then the producers want to include to make you look one way or another. And um, I have heard stories from comedians that I know who have appeared on, like, reality programmes where the producers have said have given them sort of deliberately sort of very very toxic questions and say yeah but tell us about this i mean surely mm. she's annoying you because she's doing this that and the other and then that person's gone well blah blah is annoying me because blah 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 blah. and then they and then they have sort of montaged it all together to make it look like this th- these two people are like deathly uh, rivals you know so,
2: yeah. yeah that's what they asked me about you before we came on i think what? it's going to be a youtube clip Just the My Talking Head. Do you not do the talking head about what you think of the other guest? Oh. (laughs) (coughs) Uh,
0: Well, who knew Strictly isn't real? I think we can agree the headline is just probably a bit too real. Uh, Daily Star now and the housing market is in turmoil. Prices and rents are skyrocketing. People are struggling to find suitable places to live. This is the last thing people need, Diane. Yes. Housing crisis, hey? It
1: really is. I mean, I thought we were going to talk about um, a doll trapped in a house. Yeah. Uh,
0: This this relates to the doll story. Um, I like to to introduce the (laughs) item in a way that confuses my guests. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I speak to the team. How can I I give them a bum steer about what the next story is?
1: (laughs) So, um, this appears. There's a
0: civil (laughs) war in Iran. (laughs) Diane, over (laughs) to you. Uh
1: What, 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 is it a film? Is it, how many syllables? So, um, a teacher, was doing some renovations in their house uh, in Liverpool, and they discovered a creepy doll hidden in the floorboards. And this creepy doll had a note. And um, you've got to bear in mind that um, this is a, a, a ghost. I assume has written this, a cursed doll. I mean, look how cursed she is, though, with her ginger hair. Oh, God, it's stereotyping. And um, <laughs> they wrote this, this letter about, um, Dear reader, Thank you for freeing me. My name is Emily. My original owners lived in this house in 1961.
0: Can I ask why all ghosts are scousers, by the way?
1: Because this is in Liverpool.
0: It is in Liverpool.
1: Yes, yeah, so I'm assuming that it's a Liverpudlian ghost.
2: That makes, I mean, solid logic so far.
0: Right. I mean, <laughs> why would it not be?
1: I cut you in your prime. Do well. Do ghosts move? Now that's the question. Do because dolls thought...
2: have accents.
1: Yeah. No. <laughs> thought that, like, once once you're in the house and you, you curse the house, that house is the cursed house. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, admittedly, the teacher went, I think this is a load of rubbish. Uh, I'm probably not going <laughs> to move. Um, but what I quite like is that I, I did a little bit of research, and there have been some interesting things found by different people in their houses. Uh, among them, uh, a giant Monopoly uh, board set, which is crazy. You find that in your floorboards. A bottle of whiskey saying, uh, if you find this... We hope you enjoy the house. Have a drink on us.
0: Isn't oh, that magic? Oh, that's immense.
1: That's great. And, and in the National Trust, they found mummified rats.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Charming. Well, look, I'd love to hear the rest of that letter, but especially for your performance there.
1: Oh, well, the rest of the letter is quite creepy.
0: Is it? Go so, on,
1: eh? so, so, settle in, settle in. All they did... Oh, my original owners lived in this house in 1961. I didn't like them, so they had to go. All they did was sing and be merry, it was sickening. Stabbing was my choice of death for them. So I hope you have knives. Hope you sleep well.
2: It's like watching an episode of Bread. Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> was that Wayne Rooney?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, do you think that? Yeah, that's that what sounds Colin like a Rooney's to me. writing it also, yeah, to Rebecca Exactly,
0: Baldy. I didn't want to say anything, but the children's handwriting gave it away. <laughs> Monday's Times now, and one about water rates? <laughs>
2: this can't be as boring as it sounds, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you gave me one that had the actual key word in it. I don't know what we're talking about now. We're talking know. about California, a bit of a drought, and that means there's restrictions on how much they can use. They're only meant to water the garden once a week, something like that. And there's a posh area of Agoura Hills in Southern, Southern California where the people living there have said, no, we're going to keep using some water. And they can use up to 200 gallons of water a day to make their lovely gardens continue to look lovely. And they've said, um, oh, the fines that we get, yeah, I'll just pay the fines. (laughs) So, actually, in this story, there is a a serious point. that fines are pointless for rich people. They don't stop them using water. Um, There's also an idea that they might, if they continue to just pay the fines and keep doing it, they might reduce their water down to a trickle but then they're, they're just they're rich people, they buy bottled in, so it's probably bad for the environment as
0: well. Well, well yeah, I mean, it's uh, I heard, and I don't know if it's true about Gordon Ramsay, that he would park outside Claridge's when he ran his restaurant there, which is a very good posh restaurant, and his assistant would have to sort of collect hundreds of parking tickets a week. Ah,
1: oh, I see. And the assistant see. would just
0: sort of, because for him it's just like, well, 60 quid a day, 80 quid a day, that's probably not bad for central London. <laughs>
1: You
0: know? wow. So I wonder if it's different rules for the rich somehow. You know, are, are rich people worried about fines? Probably not.
1: No, I, I I would say you're completely right there. And water is a very interesting resource because obviously it needs storage capacity. Uh, so there is only a limited amount that you can have that when you're sharing amongst other people. And then if you are going to use the fines, are you going? Can you charge rich people more for the water they use anyway because mm. they're rich? But then that is strange, isn't it? It's a sort of a a natural resource.
0: Exactly. Well, in Germany, I think that if you are speeding in your car, the fine is a percentage of your income. So that might put those people off. So if it's just, you know, 1% of your annual income, then people will probably give up spraying the water. Because if that's a Hollywood actor, it's about a million quid, isn't it?
1: Wow, yeah.
0: You know, so who knew the mind boggles? Well, let's move on to this other story, one of the banes of my, like, you know, life. Like, people that say like, Diane.
1: So The Guardian have, like, written this (laughs) thing. Do you know what I mean? It's basically a thing about why, like, people say like, like so much. Uh, In it. Uh, I'll be (laughs) honest with you, the article's a bit TLDR. But, uh...
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm so old, I don't actually know what that means.
1: Oh, t- too long, didn't read.
0: Blimey. Yeah, Is that not... a new one? I've only just got hold of YOLO
1: oh, yeah, yeah, no, TLDR's great. Yeah, it's yeah, when somebody yeah. writes some ridiculous Facebook posts and you just go, ugh, TLDR. <laughs> um, wow. So um, essentially, it's just an article about this little word, which can trigger a lot of people to be very angry. And there are negative points, and there are good points for it. And um, if you are a wordsmith or somebody who likes words, then I would recommend reading this article. It's in The Guardian. Uh, essentially, if you say the word like a lot, you can. people will judge you. Um, you can sound um, incoherent. You can sound vague. You You can sound very wishy-washy but actually the word like um, can be used appropriately and it's it's used more often by younger people uh, because it encourages accuracy so if i said oh and steve was like you can't possibly do that i've just put you in the situation with steve and i've quoted him to the best of my ability but without um, sort of saying, and I quote, Steve doth say, yeah. you cannot be like that, and then I may have done it wrong. Um, and also, when you use the word like, you soften what you're saying, and it forms a sense of connection between different people.
0: And, and it gives your head time to work out the next sentence, doesn't it? It's a little beat for the brain. Yes. Because if it's not like, it might be an um or an er. Uh. Yes, yes. However, is it American? It's this whole like thing from the States. I think he was like, my, you know, I'm like this, he's like that.
1: No, no, it's not from the States. because It's it British? We have things like in it.
2: Yeah, in it's in very it. British. And
1: in it is very British. It's very
2: urban, isn't it, in it? In it. I can sound incoherent without peppering likes <laughs> all through my sentences. Just work ah! harder. It's what bothers me, this. I, it does make a sentence harder to listen to, though, doesn't it? I understand how it's a nice little pause to think about extra things. But some, what bothers me more than like is the she says, he says bit. When people will tell you a story of what people said to them, but they're having to add in all of the quoting marks. So I said to him, I said this, and then he said this, and he says to me, he says, it's taking longer to listen to it than it would have been to just be there.
1: But if it, people like. don't want to do a Michael Gove and suddenly like switch into different <laughs> silly voices. <and laughs> me. You don't want that. Oh, well, I shouldn't do that. Yes, you should. Like it, People don't want to do I that. I'd
2: love to hear Gove read out that letter from Liverpool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's actually an app uh, where you can uh, record yourself according to this article, and it's called Like So. So if you want to determine how often you use the word like in your common parlance, uh, then you can use that app.
0: You mentioned he said, she said. You've also got some anecdotes where there's a lot of turning around. She turned around, said to me. (laughs) I turned around to her and I said, doesn't anyone face anyone anymore? Yeah. (laughs) When you turn around, you say... And then my other great pet irritation, first of all, I don't like basically being overused. Or basically this, basically that. And then the other one is when, especially experts... Use the word so at the beginning of a sentence to answer a question. So you will... So, I've just done it. <laughs> 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 it's a disease. It's viral. You will ask an expert what can be done about inflation. They always answer, so. We've looked at the inflation figures <laughs> and it's pompous. and It's like, just stop what you're doing and I'm about to answer. But have you noticed people saying yeah. so at the start of a sentence? It's phase two. It used to be well.
1: Well. and
2: mm. well, well, uh, now they're in so.
1: Yeah, but a lot of YouTubers, when they do their vlogs, they will use so because they are thinking about the next follow-on piece, so then they do that to sort of compensate Mm, for them.
0: And I don't like it because it does sound like people are in autopilot. It's not a proper live conversation. So, let's move on. (laughs) And a lovely story about um, a history, a plant, and uh, something that's long gone next week,
2: Steve. Yep. Uh, Caesar's favourite herb, which was the Viagra of its day, of ancient Rome, uh, and it was killed off by climate change. And apparently they used it for many things. It was a tonic, it was perfume, a love potion. This thi- silphium this, uh, was even used on... They used, used it as a seasoning. Now, let's just think about that comparison again. Why would you be sprinkling Viagra on your breakfast? I <laughs> wouldn't get anything done all day. It feels like no wonder. Rome <laughs> fell. Is that why? I think that might have been why. Get have you up that in the for morning. your Fridays. Oh, blimey, the mind boggles. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happened was, so, what happened was so. by the time Nero came around, it already died off. It requires a very specific microclimate and the fact that humans slightly impact where they are, that they mess the microclimate. It's, it's written as if it's a parable for climate change. It's not really comparable, I think, because we're talking about if you live in an area, you will change the soil. If you try and grow it where it's not natively grown, it won't work. It's not entirely the same as what happens to a planet if you change it one degree, which actually might be worse than this story. Um, But it does make me think, uh, you know, maybe we should worry. Professor uh, Simmons from Kew Garden said that other things could be impacted. Um, Carrots, coffee and rice. Coffee? Coffee. I've got enough trouble getting up in the mornings without my coffee, although there is something I could sprinkle on my breakfast that might help, (laughs) help.
1: (laughs) Coffee is a big thing. Thing because uh, they've found a, um, a, a more resistant uh, substitute for the um, Arabica beans mm. because of the climate change, the Arabica beans are growing less and less, and there's a new one called Stenophylla, which is going to become the dominant bean um, so the coffee will change the taste. And I think this is part of what this article is about. Mm. It's about how we will never know what this weird Viagra herb tastes like because it's extinct, and maybe in sort of millions of years to come, the coffee that we what? drink now is not going to taste the same as the coffee. I've got, uh,
0: I've got great news, so we've actually got a special vial of this herb <laughs> right. in this mug, Steve, so over okay. to <laughs> you <laughs> the last few minutes of the programme and we'll watch his body change quite noticeably. <laughs> um, thank you so much to the brilliant Diane Spencer and Steve N. Allen who return in the Ministry of Offence on Saturday at eight o'clock. A truly brilliant show. Um, Thanks for your company all weekend. I've loved having you. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.